Wow, you know, Matt, uh, this podcast is uh, ran so smooth tonight. I, I completely forgot to take a break in the middle for us to uh, add our sponsor commercial break in there. So uh, I think I'll just add at the beginning because I don't know where we could break up break up the podcast this this episode. It, it ran so well. Don't even have an edit point this week. That's that's awesome. So uh, I think I'm going to add at the beginning. Uh, shout out to Ben Doring and Doring Vision Center for being a sponsor of the show. Uh, I, I actually need to actually need to get a hold of Ben. Uh, I think we have some uh, similar things, interests that, that we have going on. It seems like he's uh, into barbecue, does some smoking of pulled pork, ribs, brisket, just like just like we do. I, I think uh, you know Jim and I could really you know pick his mind on some of that stuff. And I, I know he's pretty big into fishing as well. So you know, just uh, I think I'm gonna try to get a hold of him and see if we can you know, pick his mind on some fishing stuff, some smoking stuff. It's always nice to talk to some local people about that. And, uh, you know, shout out to him for being a great sponsor of Black Swarm Podcast. Hey, Tiger fans. I bet if you're anything like my partner, Hank, you probably need to go see an eye doctor. Yes, sir. And if you do, we have the place for you. The Doring Vision Center is a primary care optometry clinic located in downtown Maslin. They have a wide variety of eyeglass frames, everything from budget packages to designer brands. And if you're like me and prefer contacts over glasses because glasses are a hassle, they have uh, the technology to fit all types of lenses. They treat most conditions, and they also take emergency visits as well. At the Doring Vision Center, most insurances are accepted, and you even have a good chance of getting a same-day appointment. So come on down to see former Maslin Tiger, Dr. Ben Doring, at 35 Erie Street North, Suite 110, Maslin 44646. And that's right next to the Alibi Bar, for those of you who know the local watering holes. Or you can check them out on Facebook at the Doring Vision Center. That's D-O-E-R-I-N-G Vision Center. Or give them a call at 330-880-0035. Doring Vision Center. Proud supporter of all things Maslin. Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the Black Swarm Podcast. I'm Rob Antonell. Joining me tonight is Matt Matigli. Uh, I know you got some hot takes you you want to get on air for us, so uh, we had to have you on this week. Oh, they're, they're not really hot takes. It's what pretty much... I don't know. All of Maslin is thinking. Huh? Okay. Yeah, so. All right. Well, we're going to get to your point of view on this, and you can speak for the general public. Um, <laughs> obviously, we've got a big game coming up this week um, with St. Ignatius, but before we get into that, let's uh, kind of talk about last week. Got a really tough game, real scrappy game against uh, Benedictine. What do you think about it? I think scrappy is a good term for it. I, I think it's the hardest we've played all year. It's probably the best game we've had all year. Um, kids came out with some intensity. I like to see that. I, I think that's probably the most intense they've played all year, especially towards the end. Um, 
you had another good def- defensive performance. Um, you know, who was it? Wise. Is that the name I'm looking yeah. for? Wise and uh, Miller played mm-hmm. out of their minds. So that's the first things I noticed. Yeah. I mean, once again, I think our defense played really well. Um, Benedictine struggled against us, uh, against our defense. Um, you know, we did, we gave up a touchdown, which is unusual for our defense this year. Uh, kind of looked like it was a, it was a push off by the receiver. That kid but, was an athlete. Know, he mean, was a good player, really good player. So, uh, that was a tough battle with him and Wilson Lamp the entire game. And he, he was a really good player, good receiver, uh, big bodied receiver with skill. Still, you know, might be a little biased. Looked like a push off, but that's all right. Everybody gets one. Uh, so I think our defense played really well. Um, you saw us rotating guys in on the defensive line, kind of uh, moving people around. It looks like Harris wasn't out there last week, and you know he's. Was a re- he the only one on the D line, or was it just Harris? I think Harris was the only one. Miller didn't start the first drive. Did Turpin play mostly offense again, or I saw Turpin out there to start. I'd be lying if I said I remember exactly what kind of combinations we were running for the most part. But I know we've been moving guys in and out. I remember Turpin was in on the first drive, I think. Yeah. Um, Mike Miller wasn't out there. Um, had Billman and uh, I think Edwards as our two other linemen to start the game. Yeah. Um, so with Harris being out, you know, we, we kind of have to move things around a little bit. And that's all right. We, we have the depth to do it. But, uh, you know, once Mike Miller came in, you know, he's just an outstanding player. Um, very disruptive on the line. Him opposite of Caden Ward is really tough. Uh, for an offense to deal with and uh once again he's he's shown his ability uh but what do you think about our offense against benedictine last week well the the run game got going after a little bit um you know i think we were you know that everybody would think we had a pretty good run game which we did especially towards the end um but going into the fourth quarter I i believe we only had 79 yards rushing and and not a whole lot passing either so that's a little bit of a trouble spot, I would say. Um, but the line looked better. I think the line gave Catrone a lot of time. I think the line was opening up holes. Um, a lot of movement up front. A lot of times we were pulling the guards. So I think overall the line the line play looked pretty good. Um, probably the best it has all year. And I don't know if that's just, you know, getting kids settled in because for the first, I don't know, three weeks we've been moving kids a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still were putting in kids and pulling kids, you know, rotating. So... Um, I thought that was a good sign. Yeah, I think the line did play probably their best game so far, um, especially since we've had the injury and we've had to kind of shuffle people around. And I know that's something that really hurt us early. And like you said, it seems like we're we're getting closer to having everybody um, kind of used to the position that they're playing and kind of settling in. Uh, it it did seem, you know, at the end of the game, it seemed like they played much better. Then when you, when you kind of break it down, it's, you know, it's not like we were running all over them all game. You know, it was no, I think they were, was a good team. But. Yeah, Benning was a good team. I think we were under under three or four yards of carry until the fourth. Until the very end. And, and then you saw, I think it was Portis and Vincent start getting some big holes, and uh, I would bounce for like 10 or 12, even mm-hmm. 20 yards. So that was a good sign, um, wearing on teams, you know. I also think Benny kind of got their head out of the game towards the fourth quarter. And I think that helps when you can get a team frustrated and, you know, they start making mental mistakes. That's when the run running lanes pop open and suddenly you run down their throat. So, yeah. So, you know, with that, I think the one big positive was that at the very end of the game, we were able to have a successful running game. You know, 
Um, that's something they've always preached about, you know, wanting to be the toughest team, wear on teams at the very end of the game. Um, we go for four quarters. We, we've heard all of that. And, uh, you know, Benedictine, they did kind of get their head out of the game. And that's always something where you worry about if you're going to be able to respond. Are you going to be able to keep your head in the game? Because it, it was going back and forth. I know that we were just as upset as they were. But, you know, can you can, can you stay composed and still be able to play football? And uh, I think at the very end, we, we showed that we were we were the better team. We, we were able to stay composed. We were able to, you know, run down, right and run right down the field on them at the very end. And uh, I think that was a good sign. Yeah, and like you said, talking about composure, uh, penalty wise, I think we improved from earlier in this mm-hmm. earlier this year. But uh, there's still some issues. Still I would there, yeah. Especially on special teams, it seems like we're getting blocked in the backs and every week. And, and I, I don't know if that's just the refs calling stuff that normally, you know, ten years ago they wouldn't call. Because some of these blocks looked clean to me on film and in person, but you know, if if they're calling it, you're gonna have to adjust to it because you can't allow good field position. You know, you make a 30, 40 yard run, but the penalty was mm-hmm. twenty yards back, and then they go ten yards back from that. So you go from being on the fifty to being on the ten, let's say, and that's that's really hurting the offense. It's forcing us to do things offensively maybe we don't want to do. Um, I don't know. That could be part of the offensive issues as well. Yeah, I mean, special teams definitely hasn't been our strongest point this year, unfortunately. Um, some of those penalties are just they're just killer. You, you think you get a good return, then it gets called all the way back. Uh, I, I think we've had a block in the back on a return, you know, at least every game, every single game. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see it. I didn't see the one last week. Yeah. Um, I was watching the play, but I think it was like on the opposite side of the field where the block in the back happened. But before that, the last couple of weeks, I, I saw them actually happen. And they, they were blatant, yeah. running the opposite way of the return guy, which is that, that's never a good sign. If you're running the opposite way, you're almost always going to get called with that block in the back. And then you can argue that you hit him on the front of the shoulder, not the back of the shoulder. But still, when you're running the opposite way, like in the NFL, you're not allowed to do that at all. It doesn't matter if you hit them in the chest. You still can't block the wrong direction. So I think that's something that you know we definitely need to clean up because... You know, our returns, that that can be a big part of the offense. Yeah, we got two dynamic guys back there. Actually, probably more than two. You got Thurman, you got Johnson, you got Ballard, you got Lamp. You got guys back there that can house it every time. So, come on, guys. Uh, let's clean up <laughs> the penalties a little bit. But sticking on special teams, I would I would say also our coverage can should be a little bit better than what it's been on punt and on kickoff. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think um, part of that has been the inconsistencies on our punts and kickoffs. Um, you, you saw that we changed kickoff kickers during the game last week, and uh, we kind of changed how we were doing our kickoff as well. You know, uh, usually Magnus Haynes does the kickoffs for us, and he has a really strong leg, and he's been doing it for you know three years, maybe four, and he has the experience, but it, it just seems like he hasn't been quite as consistent this year. Or the coaches are asking him to do different things this year. I think we are all expecting him to kick it into the end zone just every time. Um, and I, I don't know if it's by design or if we're trying to kick it down the sideline, if we're trying to pin them in the corner. Um, but ultimately, I think if we could just give them a touchback every time, we would. on average, that would be better than what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, it seems like the punts have been better more consistent for him i'm still waiting for him to just 
pop one right over the returner's head because he had a pretty good one last yeah, week. Yeah, when when he gets a hold of him, you know, we, we see what he can do, and uh, he's a really highly ranked punter from the different camps he's gone to, and you see some of the footage he can do, and you know, it's deadly. Um, but once again, that's another issue where you can't outkick your coverage. So by design, sometimes it's better to have hang time than distance. Uh, that plays into it as well. But I think uh, as we get a little bit more consistent with that or if we figure out what works best for us, I think uh, by the end of the year, when it really comes crunch time, we'll, we'll be where we need to be. Yeah. One other thing to talk about, though, is um, you know not just the penalties on special teams, the penalties in general, the personal personal fouls. I think that's something that we've had a lot of and uh, unnecessary stuff. And it seems like every week, I know last week there was there was stuff going on both ways, but once again, it's another game where we have personal fouls. Yeah, uh, you know, people like to point out to Jaden's, I think you guys talked about it last week on the pod- podcast. I don't I don't think he had a personal foul last I don't believe so, not last week. And the one personal foul I can remember specifically was on, it was the beginning of the fourth quarter, um, we kick them deep, and I think they're on their 10-yard line. Well, they do a little screen to a receiver, mm-hmm. and we gang tackle them to about yeah. the three-yard line, let's say. And they called a personal foul on that, and I don't know what. Don't the, know where. I don't know what the call was on. I, I, it looked like a clean, you know, black swarm mm-hmm. tackle. So I don't, I don't know what that ref saw, but. Yeah, and uh, you know, I remember exactly who the call was on, but I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I know who was on too, because yeah, I because I, I don't see the reasoning for it. I they didn't. They, unless if, if I remember correctly, there was something that was said. Or I don't think the scoreboard the of a pile. I don't. I don't think it was um, announced over the scoreboard's audio system. The number was it? Because when not, I rewatched no, it, I saw I the name. I don't know if they said. I don't know if the ref said who it was. But I remember the players signaling to the coach that it was on him, and he didn't know why it was on him. He was like, "Yeah, okay. he's like, I don't, I don't get like why. Why did they call that? I, we didn't see it either from the yeah. stands. So, but it's just another personal foul that you know Maslin's had, and that that's ongoing. You know, pretty much every week. And you know, some teams try to do that. Overall, given the situation with their coaches, could have been worse. Yeah, I think actually discipline wise, it was one of our better weeks. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, but just looking from the outside in, you know, we, we still have those penalties. And, you know, you're looking for that one week where you don't. Well, better come soon. Because <laughs> I know Ignatius is not going to, you know, commit penalties. Let's be honest here, folks. But, um, yeah, talking about the discipline, just going back to that. I rewatched the film, and actually WHTV did a good job at this. They zoomed right in on their coaches coming onto the field about to the numbers or even to the hash mm-hmm. marks. And they were talking to Woolard and it's like, why are you talking to these kids and not talking like, Hey, you know, this, that, and everything. No, they were trash talking, like yelling. I don't know. I can only assume what they were saying, but it didn't look friendly or clean to me. Um, not a very professional job by Benedictine's coaches. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Uh, it, it was on the play where, uh, they called a Brawley. Brawley came it, up and it lit a, him up. It was, a, it was a personal foul, is what they called. Great play, Brawley. Do it again. Do it a hundred times. Uh, the kid ran a post across something towards the middle. And Touches the ball. Brawley hit him. They, it was not a pass interference that they called. They called a personal foul. I mean, you know, like in college, that might be called targeting. Um, in high school, they don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I know high school is a little bit behind when it comes to this they, stuff. Because they did not announce 
they they called it a personal. It's foul. just personal foul, and which is I. They should name what personal foul it is. The reasoning behind it is just it's just a little bit harder in high school because I don't know if we have the you know quote unquote targeting or if we have the defenseless receiver or if they have hit to the head. I don't know if I don't know if any of those specific rules apply in high school. I don't think he did any of those they just, three things. Though. They just round it all together and call personal fouls. And, and you know that's the game of football. They're trying to make it safer, but the clarity is kind of an issue. When that happens in the NFL, you know exactly why. When it happens in college football, you know exactly why. In high school, you're kind of like, uh, there's no specific rule that I know of of why they don't call it. They didn't say personal foul targeting. They didn't say personal foul hit against a defenseless receiver they just said personal foul yeah and, and let's say it was you know helmet to helmet late hit or you know targeting whatever it may be i don't think it was any of those he came in he led with his shoulder he didn't lead with his head he hit him you know chest level not head level or mm-hmm. leg level he just came in and popped him so i don't know I, I really don't know what the call was on that and like i said the receiver touched the ball he could have caught it yeah he just dropped it so it wasn't late in my opinion, it was just a solid play. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's just where, you know, that, that's where the game's moving towards. You know, you can't really do that in the NFL, can't really do it in college. And you know, they're just trying to make the game a little bit safer. But with that, like I said, in high school, it it kind of leaves you a little confused because you don't know why or you don't know what the specific rule is about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great play. Broken the ball, hit the receiver, broke up the play. But with that, their receiver got hurt and some of their coaches walked out onto the field and instead of attending to their hurt player they were just out there John trash talking the Maslin kids the players um I think another thing that should be mentioned was that Maslin got a sideline warning early in the game and Benedictine's coaching staff was out on the field the entire time and they walk out almost onto the M sometimes it was ridiculous but no they walked past them there was a time when their coach was on the numbers in front of our sideline like so i don't know what would that be 10 yards from the sideline uh, about yeah yeah that close i forget when that was but that might have been when there was a small i don't want to call it a scrum but it's when a few of their players got tangled up in our sideline yeah that's a nice way to put it for them i their yeah, players they, tried to do stuff after the play on our sideline yeah they they, they ran, were removed they ran into our sideline and we got a penalty for it but <laughs> Moving on. Another another personal foul. Um, but <laughs> that I, one. I really didn't have that a problem one I can't with really our agree. discipline. Yeah. I, once For again, the most I, part. I think we did a good job, and it could have been a lot worse. I just Way think worse. the refs kind of spewed it one-sided a little bit, especially on paper. If you didn't watch the game and you just looked at who had what type of penalties, I think it would show differently than somebody that actually watched the game. And... Uh, I think we did a good job, but I'm still waiting for that one time where someone can read the newspaper, just the box score. They don't show the penalties in the box score, but you know what I mean. If you're just looking at the statistics on paper, I want us to have that clean penalty-free game. Yeah, two, you know, I'll give a guys up to like three penalties a game is a pretty good game. Pretty good game. You're gonna have three penalties. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to limit anything below that. If you do, hey, that's pretty impressive. Maybe it'll happen. You know. I, if it was to happen, it might be. I think during the McKinley game, they let the kids play just a little bit more. Um, so, which can lead to more penalties or less, I guess, if you, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, we'll see. Um, but I did like the improvement in that aspect. But like you said, let's keep cleaning it up. 
especially on special teams, that's the only thing that stood out to me as far as mental miscues and unnecessary penalties for, for Benedictine. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the offense. Yeah, we can uh, go into it real quick. We already kind of touched on the running game a little bit and, uh, you know, the offense in general. But, you know, what specific points did you want to make? Well, you know, we went 5 for 10 for 95 yards passing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's like a good first quarter stat, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been very blessed with, you know, how the offense has run for the last couple of years. And I think people get caught up in that. Um, but... I think a point to be made is that we have a lot of playmakers. We have a lot of athletes. We have a lot of people we can get the ball to. So I, I could understand why, you know, people would be wanting for more. Yeah, and I'm not saying if, if a team's, you know, giving you the run, you know, and they're out here running, you know, dime package. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hank's not here to give us the X and O's, but if they're out here running, you know, seven DBs and the box is open, run the ball. But, you know, they were running man coverage. You know, we yeah. we had guys open, I at least to an extent, um, but I, I don't think anyone here thinks we're going to beat Hoban going five for ten for ninety five yards. I don't think anyone thinks we're going to beat LaSalle going five for ten for ninety five yards. You know, do we want to beat Iggy? I think we're going to have to do a little bit better than five for ten for ninety five yards. And I'm not blaming any one person. I'm not sitting here saying it's Catron. I'm not sitting here saying it's the receivers not getting open. And I'm not saying it's the coaches not calling the right thing. But at some point, you have Ohio State receiver, four-star, West Virginia receiver, three-star, maybe four-star. And then you have Johnson, probably the most dynamic player on the field, you know, Division One. Get him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's some people that say, you know, take what they give you, but you know, how about we make them take what we give them, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that we haven't, we've had a hard time, you know, establishing what we want our pass attack to be this year in general. It, it seems we get caught up in phases. You yeah. know, there, there's times where we're pretty much only throwing the tag screens. There's times, uh, think Warren, where we get caught up running a lot of just straight vertical routes. And Warren was, it was kind of interesting in the Warren game specifically. It seemed like we went short routes only, and they were kind of up on us a little bit more. And then Warren went to a straight bail technique defense, and we ran a couple of vertical routes at them, you know, back to back, and it just wasn't there. Yeah. Um. So I, I think we need to find a way to, you know, mix it up a little bit. You know, incorporate the screens, incorporate some of the short game, the crossing game with the vertical game, kind of keep a defense guessing, and, uh, you know, just... You know, I think it helps to get the play, get the playmakers the ball because we have the guys to do it. Uh, I I know that Catron getting hurt early in the year, I think, really hurt some of our passing game because I still don't think he looks fully healthy. Uh, it doesn't seem like he has the pop coming out of his arm right now that, you know, we've seen in the past. He's got a strong arm, uh, baseball player, throws pretty hard. Uh, just right now, it seems like it's not coming out quite as strong as we've seen in the past. So maybe it just doesn't seem as confident. So either. maybe there's a little bit to it. And you know, yeah, confidence is definitely a thing. If if there was a prior injury where you might have to think about it, or yeah, if you're trying to take care of the ball too much, and you know, in the back of your head, you don't want to throw an interception, which he's, he's done good at. He's yeah, he's like, not turned over the ball, and that that's very important. I think he has three touchdowns, three interceptions. And in, I'm know, not sure, but. I think it's a one-to-one ratio. 
but last game he didn't have a, an mm-hmm. interception. So that was an improvement, I guess. Yeah, so I, I just think that <coughs> we're having a tough time establishing our pass game in general. Maybe not. that The three for three might not be correct, but it's something close to that. Yeah, I, I but mean, yeah, I think Benedictine was playing, man. Sorry, Hank. Benedict, I don't know if they it, didn't. They, they were pressing <laughs> us, and they they did have some man for sure. Yeah, maybe it was quarters, or you know, I don't know, cover there, one. There maybe. were times where they're in man, and you know, you, you would love to see your Ohio State receiver win one on one. Yeah, down the sideline, he, the he was open. There, was, uh, there was a couple times I saw him open. Yeah. So I, I know there's the one play that you guys like talking about um, where Catrone threw it out the back of the end zone. Uh, Ballard did come open late. I thought, you know, I, I talked to other people. Other people say he was open the whole That's route. fine. That's fine. I, when I, my personal opinion when I watch the film is I don't think he comes open until he crosses the high safety space. So when you say open, does that mean like standing by himself or no, one-on-one? On one there was a high safety that entire play. He's right. running across her right at the safety. After he crosses the safety, Catron's already out of the pocket, kind of scrambling. Yeah. Uh, and then I think he did get open when he hit the opposite pylon. But, uh, yeah, if he wouldn't have thrown it out of bounds, I think there was a play there. But it was so late, he ended up getting hit on the play, too. I, I wasn't sure. If, yeah, if you watch it back, I, I wasn't sure if Catron was going to run it or if he was going to throw it. Then he kind of threw it last second right as he got hit. And it, it sailed out out of bounds. And a band member caught it. Congrats to that kid. You the, know, uh, it was the from a trombone to a receiver from, real quick. Uh, I think it was the director. I think uh, director Neil caught it. Oh well, yeah. Either way, somebody good for them. Uh, but there's definitely times where we can get people open. I yeah. Think. Uh, and yeah, you're telling me Johnson's not going to break somebody off. And I Johnson's think, uh, out there on defense making more receptions than yeah. he gets on offense. I th- I think there's something to be said to you know getting the playmakers the ball because. At the end of the day, it looked like our run game was pretty good. But like you said, it, it kind of struggled. Not struggled, but like only 78 yards or 79 yards. It's not like they were breaking 20-yard runs. Yes. Going into like going into the fourth quarter or the end of the third quarter, um, it's not like we had 100 at half, 150 at halftime. We had 79 at the end of the third. At the end of the third quarter. So it's not like we've been running super successful. Um, but at the end of the day, you just got to get the job done. You got to walk away with a win, and I think that's what we did. Yeah, great win. I uh, You know, I'm out here critiquing probably the best game of the Mm-hmm. Of the year, Benedictine I, was a is a really good team. We Benedict, don't want to take ben, anything away from that. Yeah, Benedictine played Hoban tough. Um, they had athletes, and you know that was one of the things I was going to say. Do you think that's the best secondary we will see all year? I think they had a really good secondary. They had the two D one kids. Uh, what was it? The kid Will uh, Lamp and Lamp was going against the tall one mm-hmm. most of the game. He was a stud. I think he played nickel or linebacker okay. or something like that. It was a Conklin or something. Then they had another D one corner that uh, mentioned Lamp one time. I can't remember what his name was, but they, they had a pretty good secondary, I thought. Yeah, I, I didn't put much into um, researching about their, their secondary. We, we brushed over it last week, but I didn't didn't really get into detail. I didn't get as much, you know. Personally, I don't think it was the best secondary we will see. I was just saying that question because we only got 95 yards. I think McKinley's secondary is pretty good. LaSalle secondary is pretty good. but yeah, LaSalle has a lot of, a lot of kids guys. coming back but for we, sure. We but that's late, late. We had guys open versus LaSalle too, though. We did a good job passing the ball versus LaSalle, I thought, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good team. Benedictine was a good team. It, it's just, you know, how are we going to keep transitioning? Because I think you're right that going for only 95 yards in the air doesn't win you a lot of games. I know the one year when we 
played McKinley. McKinley's always kind of a different game, a little bit slower. Yeah. We kind of try to grind that game out. But in general, that that hasn't been our style the last couple of years. No, they, the coaches say they like to be balanced. And when they say balanced, they mean 50% run, 50% pass. And that was not last mm-hmm. game. I mean, I know offense, we, uh, we had like 13 less minutes than Benedictine had on mm-hmm. offense. So we didn't have as much time. But at the same time, attempts wise we had way more run running attempts than we did passing so that's kind of not the 50 50 that i think our offense has a goal to to meet yeah i think that 50 50 is something that we we would like throughout the year um at the end of the day we we, you know they, they always say you know take what the defense gives us i don't know if benedictine was giving us the run but at the end of the, we won. We take that win. We leave with it. Yep. But I think you're right. Our, our passing game in general has kind of fallen short of expectation with the best receiving corps in the state. In the state, maybe in Maslin history. I mean, our, you could make an easy argument. There, for that. There's not very many teams in the country that have three Division One receivers. And then behind them, you have Thurman and Brawley. And Thurman and Brawley are, are good. And then you have Woolard at tight end. He looked good against Eds. He had a couple of receptions. I think he can be an athlete, especially get him the ball against, you know, okay, a linebacker is going to be too slow to stay with him in general, or a corner or safety might be too small to cover him. So I, we have athletes. We have, a you know, quite a bit of athletes distribute the rock, uh, figure out how to distribute it. But I've said that. You get the mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see us spread it out just a little bit more in general. You know, you see some of these teams go three wide, four wide, and, you know, they just run hitches. They all run hitches, and we're just going to hit the open guy. Pick apart his zone real quick. And, uh, you know, like when Benny's running man against us, that's a little bit tougher. You don't want to run. Yeah, we ran a slant. You don't want to run those kind of concepts. But Yeah, that was, you know, I remember that. We ran a slant to Ballard, and Ballard, uh, it was a good throw by Catron, and Ballard dropped it. It was well defended. But, you know, to me, the slant has looked open a lot. Uh, when some of these teams are, you know, seven yards off the ball against mm-hmm. Ballard because they're worried about Ballard going deep Absolutely. on them every play. So it's like, you know, let's run a slant here and there t- to any of our guys. Yeah, if you go back three years ago, our, our best, you know, our, our bread and butter was a five-yard hitch. And we had Trayvon Morgan as a junior, I believe, yeah. um, big body receiver and you could kind of put the ball on its outside shoulder high and away from a corner, and it was a pretty safe throw. But we kind of transitioned more into a vertical team as we got the more speed guys, and we, we haven't really gone back to some of that short stuff. Our short stuff have, has been the screens, tag screens, and that's based off of how a defense is covering us. Alignment, yeah. Uh, their alignment. But you know, I, I would like to see us get into some of that shorter stuff again, establish it. I know when we were doing the two-minute drill, it a couple good. weeks ago, yeah, when bang, was bang, that? bang. Um, was that, that was uh, against Warren. Warren, yeah. two minutes, and then we so had the there was penalties. A bad penalty, and it ruined it. But they we, were moving. We had a couple in a row. Bang, bang, bang. Had Catron getting hot. You know, getting Make, some you know consistency. easy throws. Get the ball in your playmaker's hands. You know, sometimes one you know, guy one slips of them will on break that. it. Yeah, they'll break it, or you get that defense to bite up a little bit, and then you got stuff over top. You have Ballard running past people. Uh, you know, we we can run the fake off of the screen. I don't think we've done that yet this year. No, Benny ran it against us. Benny did run it against and us. It and it was open. It was naked. It. And he dropped know, That was a good ball. play call. Yeah. They had some good play calls. They ran a couple screens that were open. They had some good They had some good play calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a good team. And it was a good victory for us. So, you know, that was us against Benny. 
We should talk about the incident at the end of the game. Go ahead. Well, should we? I mean, I don't know. Is that That's up to you. Yeah, yeah. sure. Why not? It's well, already, you know, it's already out there. It's already out there. We're, they put it on Twitter. Um, we're pretty much done with the game. You know, good win, good team win, probably the best one of the year. Um, but at the end of the game, there was a little bit of jawing between. You know, it looked like to me their coaches and our coaches. Um, their coaches, you know, they're supposed to go. They don't shake hands anymore because of the coronavirus. Um, so they're they're supposed to leave the field and you know go the opposite ways. Well, their coaches start approaching our coaches and they're running their mouth. And you can tell it was hostile because some of their people, and I don't know if they were coaches, administration, whoever it may be, were holding physically holding back Benedictine's coaches. Like the Benedictine coaches were trying to throw down. And uh, eventually the police had to be called in and they had to remove, I, I believe, at least two Benedictine coaches. So uh, I thought that was a little bit of a surprise to, to see, you know, coaches of high school athletes trying to, you know, throw down instead of taking a loss and, you know, maybe scheduling us next year, which I doubt that happens. But, you know, come on, set an example for the kids. I liked it. It was exciting. It was fun to watch. I was booing them. I was told them to go back to Cleveland, but uh, we were up. Well, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's just it's just a bad look in general because how many people had to try to get their one coach off the field, their two coaches off the field, and it's just in plain sight. I think that's the that's what's the worst part about it is that it's just in plain sight. Everybody is seeing this happen. There's you can't argue it. There's no, there's, video. <laughs> there's no, he said, she said, like, we, we saw you. And at the end of the day, if you are approaching us, that that just looks bad. And when the police have to walk you off the field, I, I just think that's a really bad look in general. And uh, yeah, very unprofessional, um, no matter what your reasoning. So, yeah, um, you know, going back to what I said initially, you know, this, I, I do think we play better when we play angry. And they got us angry. So I do like that intensity. It's kind of that, you know, Louisville kind of concept that barbered in uh, yeah. going back further. Steubenville, you know, you piss off the mass on Tigers. I, I think we play better pissed off. I like it. Uh, so I do. I did like that aspect of it. But at the end of the game, you know, it's 28 to 10. Leave, leave you know, don't try and continue it. But uh, so we were up towards the top of the press box. You know, I Robbie. Robbie was with me up up there, and we're up watching this fiasco down on the field, and the Benedictine press box. Now, we think it's their press box. It, I don't know if there was their – it wasn't their cameras based on the angles of their footage that I've watched. It, I think it was their stat people or assistant coaches of some kind. It, it was somebody affiliated with Benedictine. I don't know stat what guys, they were doing – but they were definitely Benedictine people. Uh, I, yeah, it didn't really look like they were coaches with headsets up there. Maybe stat guys. That's they my might best be get. stat guys. I didn't see them really carrying any equipment either, so I don't know if it was camera. But it was definitely Benedictine people. Yeah, and we're up there and we're watching this take place down on the field, and all of a sudden, you know, five feet behind us because we were at the very top, we hear somebody come out cussing and. I mean, really not, you know, family-friendly speech. And he comes out yelling and screaming, and he's wanting to fight people. 
And the other, I think there were at least two other, maybe only one other, uh, Benedictine staff are, is physically holding this other person back, like as hard as he can. Like yeah. this, this individual wanted, he wanted to fight. Yeah. That's the best way I can say it. he wanted to fight. And he made the statements. I'll go to war for this team. You know, with he said, he said a lot of things that we can't repeat. Yeah. I, I don't think I can say any of it. Hardly. No, not really any of it. <laughs> At one point, the other individual that was with him, you know, pretty much physically locked him into the press box by leaning against the door so he couldn't get out. Yeah. They had to uh, restrain him quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. You know, I thought we might have to defend ourselves. I felt a little bit a little bit of fear. Well, we were the first people. Oh, yeah. We were the the closest people to him. Yeah. We were right there. He's gonna swing at us. Probably. I just thought it was funny more than anything. But oh, it was funny. I thought it was funny that he was freaking out like that. But it was definitely inappropriate, unprofessional. There, there were a lot of kids around, and oh yeah, there's you know families, and it was definitely ten year old kids, yeah, eight not, year old kids, not appropriate for that whatsoever. I I found it funny that he was freaking out so bad. But um, another yeah, interesting that, thing is we saw a police officer go into that. Yeah, that was weird. At halftime, uh, they went into that specific, you know, press box. Yeah. Not the whole press box. The press box that they were in. It's kind of separated, like separated incidents. But I don't know why that happened. I just found that really odd. I don't know. We, we saw him walk up there, and he seemed pretty cool, pretty lo- relaxed. All of the Benedictine people were out. They were they, out. They, they had gone to the gone. locker room. They were already gone from the press box. And a police officer just walks up there, goes in real quick, and I saw him underneath after uh, underneath the stands shortly after, still during halftime, and he was just kind of standing around, so I don't know what he was doing or what the reasoning was. I, I can't even speculate why he went up there, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, fun game. You know, entertaining Friday night. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so going into this Friday night, we have a you know, pretty big matchup. St. Ignatius, first time playing them in... In a while, I, I think we played them what our June so, sophomore, sophomore year. year. I two, think that was the last two thousand and nine. The yeah. two thousand and nine season was the last time we played them. Twenty to twenty six. Uh, we went up and got cheated up there, and yeah, absolutely at their place, and yeah, that sucked. But yeah, I think that was the last time we played them. You know, in general, you know, I wanted to make the one comment with them. You know, we, we wanted to do uh, like this opponent in history quick segments you know every week when we're playing a team like this and you know it's it's powered by masslandtigers.com it's where you can get all this information you know but just in general we haven't had a lot of success against St. Ignatius we're one in 12 against I them think overall after an opponent with more than five um you know times played yeah I think they have the highest winning percentage against us than any opponent uh, I think we beat Moeller twice. Yeah, I think like Moeller's up there. And we beat Moeller more than once, and I think but, we played yeah, I think Ignatius more. I mean, one in twelve, which would mean that we have the lowest winning percentage against them. Uh, absolutely, that, that has to be our worst percentage yeah. out of more than a couple. You know, we might be zero and one against somebody, but a team we played repetitively over five times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one in twelve. That's that's got to be by far the worst record we have against any team. But uh, we do have that one win against them. Yeah. Um, 2005, uh, you guys probably remember that season. It's the year we went to the state championship. Uh, names like Brian Gamble, um, Andrew Daly, um, Tony O. James, yeah. Bobby Huth, Huffman, 
Brett Huffman, Dirk Dickerhoof. So this was uh, Tom Stacy's first year. Um, he came in and they had a pretty good season. Well, you know, we end up beating them, beating Ignatius for the first time. I went to the game. I remember it. I don't remember it specifically. I was kind of young, but I, I do remember going to the game and it was absolutely nuts when we won. Um, partially because our starting quarterback went down and I believe it was Sean Wisen yeah. ran it in for the game winning touchdown with like no time left. And the place just went nuts and everybody went downtown and it was, it was crazy. So that, that was a big win. You know, Brian Gamble had a good game that game. Um, we were down early. I think they were up by, you know, 14 points at half or something like that. But they Tigers fought back. The Madison was the better team. That's the thing about Ignatius, you know, not just talking about 2005 anymore, but overall in this, with with the series versus Ignatius, we we would have a team that was the better team, and we would find ways to lose. You know, you know, <laughs> we would just have we would have better athletes, mm-hmm. and we would make mental mistakes. But there were years where Ignatius was just freaks. You know, six three, mm-hmm. three hundred across the the front end with tight ends and. So I'm not taking anything away from Ignatius, but we we let them be a little bit of a monkey on our back, I would say. Yeah, I mean, say Ignatius definitely has you know some history to them, some some recent history. They they have, you know, their fair share of state championships. Most in Ohio. Well, a, shouldn't say that on here, but you know, so you know, they most de- definitely have playoff state going. championships. You know, they're a good team, uh, very disciplined. You know, good coach. Um, but I remember, I I remember, I remember a little bit of that 05 game the actual gameplay I, I have a hard time remembering a lot of yeah. the a lot of the stuff back then but i remember going to the rubber bowl a couple of times um and then in our freshman year i remember ignatius came down and you know just beat the boots off of us 49 to 7, 49 to seven. i think jt turner had a pick six like right before half or something or he had a pick six at some point and i think that was our only score of the game and uh, then we went up there in 09, and we sealed the game on a interception. What well, the end of the game, but they called a phantom holding call on somebody that wasn't in the game, and blah, 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 blah. He goes down and scores, wins. We, we got cheated out. We should have won that game, though. I, I mean, I think that team was. Don't leave it up to the refs. I get it. But, you know. That, that 2019, in my opinion, was clearly better than that Ignatius team because we beat teams that had that were better than Ignatius yeah. that year. So, But uh, with that, you know, this is a completely different game. We haven't played in a little while. Um, so let's just get into this week. You know, we can talk about Iggy a little bit. You know, you want to start with their offense? You want to start with their defense, do you think? Well, you know, I haven't watched that much. Mm-hmm. So start with their offense because okay. I think their offense is a little bit different than what maybe the older Tiger fans remember Ignatius being. Ignatius used to be the, you know, run the ball, big tight ends, mm-hmm. physical team, and I think they spread it up, spread it out a little bit more. Now. Yeah, so I watched I watched a little bit of film on Ignatius um, just today. I watched a little bit of film and kind of got a rundown of what they've been doing. I watched a little bit of when they played Bishop Sycamore, Mostly, what I watched was last week when they played Eds in a tough in a tough game. 
Uh, their offense, they run pretty much everything out of the shotgun formation. They like to go four wide. They have four receivers out. Uh, I think that the next biggest formation that they run, they'll have three receivers plus, I don't know what you really want to call it. We would call it kind of more like a, like a U-back. It's a tight end, and he'll line up pretty much where a tight end normally lines up, but he's not on the line. He, he's a step behind. So I don't know what you what you refer to that as. He's basically a tight end in line, not on the line. He's a step back. And with that, they can have him pull a little bit easier. They can have him run out of the flats a little bit easier. He'll release. He'll block. But they have him you know, in on the line, just not on the line. He's a step behind. Uh, another formation they like to run is with they have two of those guys. They have two U-backs, if you want to call it that. Um, two tight ends on the same side together. Both of them are off the line. Uh, they have uh, they like to throw the ball around. They have a pretty much what I've seen against Eds is they'll do a lot of different kind of uh, route combinations. They'll throw some short routes. They do some quick hitches. They do some crossing routes. They do some of that intermediate stuff. Uh, they'll cross one way and the other. It seems like they have a pretty good blend of different route combinations. They'll do some comeback routes on the sideline. They will do some vertical routes, but it didn't seem like that's what they really wanted to do. Uh-huh. But they will. There wasn't a lot of it. And I. it was almost to the point where I was going to say they don't run vertical routes, but they do. Just that's not what they go to. That's uh, not their favorite thing. They'll run some birds, some posts, a little bit of stuff down the sideline, but not a lot. That's not, it's not what they, it's not the bread and butter of their offense at all. Uh, they'll throw some running back screens, something just to keep you honest. Yeah, Coach Kyle's going to screen us up, I think, especially with the speed we have on defense. If if I was him, I'm going to try and make us make mental mistakes. So watch for screens, mm-hmm. watch for draws, watch yeah, stuff for... That it keeps you keeps you honest on defense. you got to yep. be a disciplined defense to beat that kind of stuff. And they did show that they do, they do some running back screens. Uh, another aspect of their their offense is is the running. They mostly do zone running, um, which might not make a huge difference to the, to the average fan of you know if they're doing zone running or not. Uh, but they do mostly zone running. They'll do some what people call a dart concept. It's where they pull the tackle. They wrap their tackle around rather than wrapping a guard around, which is the more common thing. Uh, the issue with that is you know when you when you pull a tackle, it takes a disciplined linebacker to pick up on it because usually linebackers read the guard they don't read the tackle because they're looking for a guard to pull or not so sometimes that tackle will pull and the linebackers don't pick up on it but it's a common enough thing that you you can kind of teach it up i know we went against a team last year that ran ran some dart they uh they'll do a qb read they will run their quarterback he'll read um i don't know exactly who he's reading reading the end probably and you know he either keeps it himself or he hands it off and with that, they also do some RPO. It's a, a run-pass option. Uh, I've seen it the same idea where the running back, the quarterback can either hand it off or he can keep it. Uh, he can also throw it. A, a lot of the ones I saw is, is the classic where they're running a slant. They're running a slant right behind the read guy, and what they're actually doing is reading the will. If the will you know, steps scrapes up. over, steps over for the run, there should be a void right where he left for the slant to open up, and that's something that they showed on film. Uh, the quarterback, 
he will run it, but it didn't look like he was, you know, the best runner in the world. He's he got al- good size. He almost looked hesitant running. Maybe that's because he fumbled uh, twice against Ed's early. So maybe he was a little bit more hesitant after that, trying to secure the ball. Um, one of the fumbles they had was during a QB read. He went to hand it off, and the running back, there was some miscommunication. I think the running back thought the quarterback was going to keep it, and the ball just landed on the ground. And that's that's one of those where it's really obvious it was miscommunication because the running back just keeps going without the ball, and the quarterback, you know, he's also confused of why the ball landed on the ground. And that usually happens when the QB holds on to it too long. We didn't talk about that fumble and Benedicting. Sorry. Just thought about oh, that. Oh, the, uh, the fumble, not fumble. Should have been a touchdown, but wasn't. Yeah, that was that was absolutely ridiculous. Might be the worst call absolutely I've ever seen in mass and, uh, in history. I, I saw it trending on Facebook for quite a while, and a lot of people were talking about it. And you can find the footage of that on Facebook. And it has a coach, not a coach anymore, but Coach Jamie Palma's audio from WH gets me fired up. <laughs> and he's he's talking about, it and he just can't believe why it was ruled an incomplete pass because there's no reason to it. Terrible call. Um. But, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, if there's miscommunication between the running back and the quarterback, sometimes the ball ends up on the ground. And if you can get the quarterback thinking too much or if you can get him to wait too long, that's when that happens. And that happening against Ed's, just a miscommunication, ball end up on the ground. I think Iggy had four fumbles in the first half against Ed's last week. So that's definitely something they're going to want to clean up. But that's something that we might be able to take advantage to take advantage of. I think the quarterback is a little hesitant in general, and I think the way he was holding the ball early was a reason of it, and then also the miscommunication. But I think those are both things that we can, you know, try to capitalize. Obviously, you can't hope for fumbles, but it's something that you can definitely put in the back of the quarterback's mind. So let's talk about the um, the offensive line size. I think they have the biggest line we have seen all year. Um, just going up front. You know, 6'5", 260, 265, 6'4", 300, 6'3", 250, 6'2", 300. And they have a tight end that's 6'5", as well. Now, in the backups, I mean, their backups are all 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", 6'3". So that, that's a solid, solid, big line up front. And, and you know they're going to be well coached. You know that for a fact, just being Ignatius. Uh, the history of that program. They're smart kids. It's hard to get into Ignatius, even if you are an athlete. It's a good school. You got to be smart. Um, so, so that they're going to pose a challenge to our defense now. I think our D line and outside linebackers have been really an issue for a lot of opposing offenses. So I'm excited to see this. I think Miller's going to dominate. I think Woolard's going to have a game. Um, also, Harris, if he's back in, we'll see. And the linebackers with the blitz, I've been really impressed with McConnell Lino. They've been calling some great blitzes. I like it. Keep it up. Um, so yeah, but they have a big offensive line. Should be a should be a good matchup. Yeah, they have a big offensive line. From what I was watching, though, it wasn't a super dominant line in that first half of the Eds game. It, it was just kind of a kind of a stalemate game in general. I didn't see Iggy doing too much against Eds. I didn't see them busting off any long runs. They weren't really marching all the way down the field. I think there was a lot of turnovers at the game, so that kind of made it a little bit different of a situation, but 
as big as their linemen are, I don't know if they're just the absolute dominant guys yeah. that you have to be afraid of. Yeah, and uh, to me, I don't know if that's the trend of, like you were talking about trends in football. It's It seems like the line play today is a little bit different than it used to be. Uh, does that observation, do you see that as well? Well, obviously, you know, back in 1940, you weren't allowed to block with your hands. Right, I, yeah. Okay, let's bring it up to <laughs> oh, the oh, okay. 99 till now. Well, yeah, I mean, in general, things have gotten a little bit quicker. They've gotten a little bit more pass-heavy. Uh, yeah, you know, I think a lot of to, it's pass pro. Guys have to be able to move a little bit better. They have to be able to pass protect a little bit better than they have in the past. It's not as much. It's not just push forward, downhill, push the guy out of the way, yeah. and we're going to get three yards on this. You know, three yards in a cloud of dust. That just doesn't really happen much anymore, except if you play for Perry and you beat up on McKinley last week. Yeah, shout but, out to them. But they averaged quite a bit more than three yards per carry. But, you know, it's the ideas there. Yeah, well, one could say that they spread the ball to their athletes better than we do right now. I mean, they're getting their – you say what you want about the wing tee, but you got four different athletes getting the getting the ball, getting the rock, and you're, you're using the whole field. I mean, there's times they're bringing jet. They're bringing counter back. I mean, yeah, it's a run play, but it's still, in a way, spread because it's about the spacing – and and how the how the alignment works and how that defense reacts. So, <laughs> I mean, I know we like to talk shit about wing T, but right now, hey, they're getting it to their athletes. They beat McKinley. Yeah, a big set game. a record. Big game. For set them. a record. Most yards ever against rushing ever against McKinley. It was like four ninety or for four four. Was it forty nine for four forty? It was. I have it. It's a ton. And it lemon was. and lemon. That kid, he's outrunning the McKinley defense. I mean, you give him a hole. And he, he's breaking it, and he's not getting caught. So, good. I mean, I, don't, I hate Perry. I hate Ignatius, but uh, yeah. good for them beating McKinley, I guess. Last week, Perry ran it 49 times for 422 yards. And they only had, what, one-third of the, the passes passing attempts that we had? So, they, they threw the ball three times. So, one-third of had, what we threw. They had two completions for 22 yards and an interception. And I, I feel like when you throw an interception on only three pass attempts, that, that's something that just has to irk Keith Wakefield. Like, why why are, why are we why, throwing? Why yeah. did we even try it? Yeah. that. Well, hey, they, you know, they threw, they, they threw the ball one-third of the times we did. They walked away. They completed them. three less passes than we completed. Yeah, they went two of, <laughs> two of three for twenty two yards, but they ran it for four twenty two. So yeah, you know that that was huge for them, and it was a it was a really big win for Perry over McKinley. Uh, you know, one other thing while we you just kind of mentioned some of that that reminded me of what I saw with Ignatius's offense was they did they did some jet motion. I I like jet. We should run jet. <laughs> so the little bit, the difference is is when they're doing their jet motion, it's it was more of just a motion, not really like a jet. They didn't fake any jet handoffs. They didn't do any jet handoffs that I saw. I only watched like the first half of that Ed's game really quick, but they would bring guys in motion. Usually they bring a guy in motion. and It was a run. It was almost always a run play when they brought a guy in motion. But they did bring a guy in motion once or twice, and it was a pass play. And by the way he did his motion and the timing of the snap, you could tell the difference. It's a little bit quicker when they did that run play. It, right. Almost like trying to get the defense moving one way, going the other. That's what the traditional jet motion is, right? Um, it wasn't quite like that because they weren't faking a jet handoff. But they bring him across, and then they hand it off back the other way. Um, 
they did bring a guy across once or twice and ran a pass out of it, but they almost let him get all the way across and almost get set up, just kind of changing how their formation. But they will bring a guy in motion, and there's always that threat that they can hand it off when they're doing that. So I just didn't see it during the film that I watched. Yeah. But that's just a one more thing that I think that it's smart do. to motioning, you know, can keep a defense off balance, especially if you're a team that reacts to a motion. Yeah, so so I remember like when we played, a lot of the times it doesn't change a lot when you're bringing a guy in motion like that. We might, you know, if you're if you're overloading one side, we change our coverage to match it. Um, but if you're what they do is they just kind of break it up. They're just bringing a guy across, and it doesn't really change much. Our coverage guys have to account for it. But you know, some teams might call off something if they have like an extravagant blitz going on. And then you bring a guy across the field at the last second, they might try to call off of that. or you know, it, it just is one more thing the defense has to account for. I, I think for us, it doesn't change a lot, especially from what I saw. It wasn't the most threatening motion that I've ever seen. It wasn't that jet sweep to an elite athlete that's trying to hit the edge. I didn't see that. A lot of the times, they're just kind of bringing him across and handing it off, or they bring him across and let him just be a receiver on the other side of the field, which is easy for our coverage guys to adjust to so one more thing to look at but i don't think it's it's a huge threat so let's get into their defense a little bit it's yeah don't have as much to say about their defense uh, i think you got their if you got their personal yeah i'll pull up, it up. you can kind of talk about a few of their guys in general they run a 3-3 stack three down linemen with three linebackers behind them and then they have uh, a cover four behind it which they have, we have it labeled as three safeties. One of them is like a nickel style corner, nickel style safety. He kind of plays out in space, uh, but they have him listed as a third safety. Uh, two corners, free safety, strong safety. Uh, what I watched is they ran almost exclusively cover four uh, from the film that I saw. Uh, what they would do out of their 3 3 stack is every now and then they'd bring a linebacker down off the edge. And they would show it. They would show him on the edge. So it almost turns more into like a 4-2 look. Yeah. Except for the linebackers didn't move. They would just bring a guy down. And I think that's like what we're calling like an overfront. But okay, their li- the other linebackers didn't move with it. So wherever that Mike was lined up, if Mike had a gap, you know, if he had a left side a gap, they would bring Will down and they would just leave stay him in the gap they would stick keep him in the gap mike would stay in that a gap and they they would rush him off the edge it seemed like more of a pass okay pass rush type of thing but i think that's something that you could run at it you could run at that side and you know i haven't seen a lot of their film it's just from what i did see is they bring one of those linebackers down off the edge and the other two kind of stayed where they were so i don't know if that's uh very specific to the down and distance that they are running or what but they, they did it enough that it's worth mentioning that they bring another guy down and he'd rush off the edge. Um, so, yeah, so in general, 3-3 three, three stack with a lot of cover four. That's pretty much all I saw on film was cover four. So looking at just looking at the uh, defensive depth chart, I don't think they have anyone that goes both ways. Uh, so they are a deep team. Again, up front, they are pretty big. 6-3, six, 6-5, six, and then 5-10. Uh, the 5-10 guy is the nose, and he's a large man. He's like 280. Yeah. So he's pretty big. It's not the biggest line we've seen, but you know, you know, six three six five. It's pretty big. Their weights though, it's like two two twenty five, two thirty or something, two thirty, two forty. What's Jack Sawyer? 
six five two forty. Jack Sawyer is a different animal. We're not talking about Jack Sawyer. If we were playing Jack Sawyer, we would know that we're playing Jack. Okay, that's all right. My, that's my thought process. Everybody remember the name Luca Lap Laspit. They have some guys. Laspina. He's six five two forty guy. He's gonna come and he's gonna cause problems at the end. Yeah, um, Bennett Adler, also his brother six three two thirty. His brother, I believe, is a receiver for them. So that's interesting. Um, their best receiver according to the depth chart. Uh, but anyways, um, linebackers, good size linebackers. Yes, I, I would say have, they do have good size linebackers. And sometimes, you know, if you're able to pull your gaps and you have that three, three stack and everybody fills speed in their lanes correctly, you got the nickelback that can come down. You know, you don't need the biggest guys in the world. If, if everybody plays sound defense. So yeah, six pretty big line linebackers, solid linebackers. I think, um, they're going to be well coached. They're going to read, you know, make the right reads. Um, uh, I don't. I didn't see their corners. What do you? Th- they got decent size. They're six one, but they're only one seventy five, one seventy. That's, that's a good size corner, though. Oh uh, yeah, school, that's a pretty good size. I mean, six one, one seventy five is yeah. nothing to. I mean, they're they're a little lengthy, which is. I don't think one seventy five is too small for no, no, at all. No. I think their safeties are pretty big. Uh, just in general, they're pretty big. They're a big team. They, they don't have the you know, they're not. 260, 260, 290 in their defensive line. Like no. you see some teams, but I bet they're better than some of the teams that are 260, 260, 290 yeah. in their scheme. Their linebackers are big. Their safeties are big. Yeah. So you know they're going to be able to run fit and they're caught. They, they are coached, you know, very well. So. Yeah, they're going to be smart. They're going to make the right read. Uh, Maslin's going to have to beat them by being more physical, being faster, and, you know, executing the plays um, and, and not making mistakes. I mean, the one team you cannot make mistakes against is Ignatius. Uh, they're the type of team you fumble the ball on the twenty yard line, like we have been. You know that's going to cause some issues if we're only scoring seven points in the first half, like we have in the first or you know the last couple games. Uh, that's that's going to be tough to beat Ignatius. I mean, look at look at our. I don't care how good they are now compared to how good they were then. Uh, we beat we've, we're one and twelve against them. So I, I hope the kids get that. I, re- I really hope they're juiced up for this game. Yeah, it's it's a really big game. Um, I, I hope the kids do understand that, like you said, because for a lot of them, you know, it's been... They weren't born. Golly, <laughs> they've been born. But 11, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that sounds... That doesn't sound right, but it's been 10, 11 years since we played them. Yeah. Man, that, that makes us really old, doesn't it? That sucks. Um, it's been a while since we played them, so... Yeah. You know, they probably heard stories, but they didn't have to really go through it. They didn't have to watch us lose to Ignatius a lot. So. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully some of the kids or their dads played against them or something where they know. I, I, I This is what I if, – if anyone's listening, who knows if people actually listen to this. I don't know. <laughs> this is the type of game where if Maslin beats Ignatius, people will go downtown. Do you, okay, this is like beating McKinley. Not really – not beating McKinley, but, like – if Maslin beats Ignatius, people will go downtown. In my opinion, it's a big game for yeah. sure. We, I mean, one in twelve. We are one in twelve against Ignatius in our entire history. Yeah, it's it's time to you know Saint Ed's got lucky against us. You know, I don't like them beating us, but at least we have a tied record with them now. We did have a winning record against them, but it's uh, it's, it's nothing like Iggy. No one is like Iggy. Yeah, in except the, for Moeller before Iggy. I mean, Moeller was a thorn in our shoe. Moeller, and yeah, now they're I, not. I'm sure there are people out there that are much more hurt by Moeller than Ignatius. But yeah, you're talking about but that's ten years before. 
It's yeah. like generational. No, it the, 80s. The early 80s. Yeah, 80 to 90 was Moeller, 90 till more, now. And even more, we don't have a 1 in 12 record against. No, yeah. We, yeah. And <laughs> we could have beat Moeller more than that. Just been bigger games, yeah. But uh, it, it's a huge game. And, you know, I hope I'm going downtown if they win. If we win, we're going downtown. So, going to the alibi. So here's the one thing that, you know, I, I can only hope for. It's, I've been mentioning it before, but I've been to the last couple of games and. I'm sorry, but our fans are just way too quiet. The only thing they're good way at, way too. Quiet. Only thing they're good at is is a tiger rag. They clap during tiger. They rag. go. Yeah. That's you know you'll have people that's on the their phones the whole game, the and you know game you know I get it. We're giving we're giving four tickets to freshman band members. You know, you know I, I get it. They're out there. They're doing their thing. It's their high school experience. Their their mm-hmm. their parents should be there. But the parents of the band have to remember the band is there because it's a football game. Okay. We don't go the football team doesn't go to the band concerts. Okay. The band shows up because this is a football game. We're not Jackson folks. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying if all you're going to do is stand up and clap during tiger rag, but when it's third and one or whatever you like to say, you know, and then you can, leave at halftime. And yeah, yeah. As soon as halftime shows over, they all leave. Yeah, not, not everybody, but there is a percentage of people that leave at halftime. That that's just factual. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. You got you got diehard Maslin fans. Who knows if they're gonna live to see another season? That can't get tickets, and you're in there and you're on your phone and you're quiet. Come on. So my my big. Just my issue in general is that people are quiet. I'm I'm not here to say who or where or when because well, everyone, everyone's quiet. Here's, here's yeah, my issue. Yeah. It's it's how us many, and Pat Stanton yelling. How many people <laughs> shout out Pat? How many people are there that we recognize as everyday Tiger fans? There are plenty of big time Tiger fans there, and they're not they're not cheering. You know how hard it is to get a defense chant going in a, an important down a distance impossible i've tried you can't do it we have we have basically close to fist fights about to happen and it's you know it got a little bit loud there for a second but then it stopped the only time it's loud is when they're booing at a ref barely and that's if it's like extreme like two games ago when it took them 10 minutes to figure out a call yeah people started booing but that was warren i think you're right yeah, but in general, I mean, there are some big downs, and the only noise in the entire stands are the six people that have cowbells. That's it. Hey, bring cowbell, cowbells. If you're not going to cheer, gonna have to get cowbells, I'm going right? to buy everybody a cowbell. That's the, only, that's the only noise anybody makes. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm a, sorry for calling people out. I tried being polite about this. You know, and then I get to the games and I start yelling in general because no one is making any Pe- noise. People are and turning people around and people are like turning around and looking at Robbie and I, and they're like, "What they're are you? Like, what are you doing?" They think it's fun. Like they're agreeing with me that it's too quiet, but then they don't cheer with me. Yeah. So like, why? What's the point? I don't. I don't understand why everybody is so damn quiet at the games. You have four people with cowbells, and that's all you can hear. It's ridiculous. Get yeah, loud. And, and I don't not? mean I don't mean to call out the band people. We love our band, but. I just called them out because it's what I it's what I have seen. Who is it? It is them. I'm sorry. I I call it like I see it. Now I will say one thing: the band is loud. They're cheering they down make there. A lot of noise. Now you know it'll be like the dumbest times. I don't know what the hell their director's watching. They'll have them like doing cheers, you know, chants and shit, 
and you know benedicting just scored. Well, hey, yeah. shut the hell up. How about that? You guys pay attention to the game. It's like Benny just had a big play and they're you know, doing something. But you know, some awareness. They're, they're making noise though. They're, they're making noise, but you know, some awareness from possibly people that are involved from, let's just say, you know, the band directors. I don't know. Sometimes some of the comments coming from the WHTV people, the awareness it's not there. Like you, band, you're not doing this little chant where you're turning around screaming when Benedictine to score. How about a defense chant on third and one? I mean, this is Maslin. This is a high school. This is a college preparatory school. We should be smart enough to figure this out. Yeah, I'm just hoping that. Sorry for getting a little bit. Negative. I'm just hoping that we we can do better. McKinley game. Everyone. Come on. If, if if it's like this versus McKinley, come on. There's a. It it just needs to be better in general. Everyone and I. I, I can't not, blame it all on that. I'm not but. calling anybody out, and the reason is because I swear, I swear, out of every single fan on Maslin stands, there's four of us chanting. That's not an exaggeration. I, I can I name them. It's, it's Pat Stanton. It's which, Pat Stanton who's over, like three rows over from us, us two, and then I think I hear like one person in the middle. In the middle, I don't know who they are. and that's it. Yeah, that's and I know it. Pat Stanton can make some funny comments sometimes. I'm not it's saying. Wild. I mean, <laughs> at least he's cheering, guys. He's making noise. Holy crap! No one else wants to say anything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, it is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why people are afraid to make noise this year. I, I I'm sorry. I tried. It's the masks. I'm tried. It's I the mask. They, I it's, can't do it. The masks they block the the germs from getting out, and it's also their voices. Also the voice won't get out too. I I just don't understand why we can't be loud on a big third down. Yeah, That's, it's yeah. Mm. holy crap! It makes such a difference, even with however many people we have there. Total. It, you know, I will say it was a little bit better last week, a little bit, and only because there was literally about to be a street fight on the field at one point. If, if that's what it takes, if that's what it takes, is a brawl. Yelling for their coaches to get off the field, yelling at their players, but why don't we yell when it's third and three? Uh, you know, when it's third and people on their phones. When it's people on their phones. Ten, third and ten, and we're up. We're only up one score. That's yeah. a huge down. That's and I'll be honest, I was down. on I was on my phone a little bit. I was a little bit distracted. I had something important in my life going on. We won't say what that but you was. Got, you got back into. But it. But I got back into it. It took a little little bit of refocus, and I got back into it. But. But people are just, I don't, it's not the same. I remember as a child, I remember, okay, just, I know this is like not a great example, but a big example would be like the Marion Harden game. And and I was young, like yeah. I shouldn't be able to remember this, yeah. but people were up and loud, like not like, like a Browns game. I don't know if you've ever been to a Browns game. Like people are angry. People are up cheering. People are making their presence known, we will say. You know, even for regular games, people would do the cheers. They'll do the what's the one they always do? Uh, go, go, yeah, go, 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 go. It, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Defense doesn't happen. The defense I, chant, the T I G E R S doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Shout out to the Village Idiots. You know, you guys actually, I could hear the Village Idiots. You could hear too. them from the. They're stomping. It's like six of them, seven oh, yeah, of no. them, and they're making noise. So I, shout out to the Village honestly, Idiots. Honestly, stomping on the stands over there wow. makes a significant amount of noise. You, yeah. you can hear the stands rattling. Shout out to the administration for letting them in. That's a that's a big deal. Shout out. Yeah. Because it's made a it's made a big difference having them there. Yeah, um, they they deserve to be there, and that that's awesome. Uh, I I think just in general we need to do better, and if that means we have to pass out cowbells to everybody because they'll I'll, I'll they'll, go to wish dot com and get some. actually shake cowbells rather than cheering. Then you know whatever it's it's noise. You know the amount of times we've heard people talk about that East St Louis game, 
oh. how big of a difference the the fans made. You know, the other team had like six um, false starts because they they couldn't hear, hear the, the you can't hear the quarterback doing his cadence and they you jump off sides. Um, or the other thing that can happen is the, a line doesn't hear the cadence and the ball gets snapped and they didn't know it. Right. And then you can run right past them. It, it's just such a huge difference when you're making noise. It, besides the fact that it just gets in their head, it's annoying, it <laughs> puts pressure on them. You know, that there are actual aspects of the game where you get an advantage if the other team can't hear very well. And hopefully we, we can do better at that because we, we have not. We have not done good at that so far. Yeah, I think I think we will get better. I think people are starting to get used to the whole situation. But you know, shout out the band, shout out everybody else. Sorry for being negative, but be better. Just be better. There it is. Uh, so Matt, you are you are my guest this week. Oh, I have to take a question. Uh, you uh, you're my guest. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it, but we're gonna call you a guest. All right. Yeah. So. For our guests, we have the FW Renner and Sons question of the week. We ask all. So, what is FW Renner and Sons like? They got a sponsorship here, but I don't even know what they are. I don't even know what they are. Ah, so you can look up their website. Um, It does not look like a company that uses like the majority of their business isn't something the average person is going to deal with. Okay. Um, I believe they do like recycling of oil. Um, like cooking oil or you know oil disposal that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, that was that's just based off of looking at their website. Um, so it's not something the average person might be looking to, you know, take advantage of. But they support the show, and you know, they, I'm I bet they're a really good business, and I know the people involved with the business, and they're very good people. Yeah. Well, that makes so, that makes a good business. So if that's the uh, people are good. The business that definitely is good. helped with it. But the FW Runner and Sons question that we ask all of our guests, and I'm sure you've heard it. So you can uh, have your own take on it. Yep. What is your favorite local eatery? You okay. heard uh, you heard some others, and I know you're a very uh, you have a lot of opinions about food and local places I in general. Like so you like eating. Yeah, I like so eating. What's uh What's your favorite? Local I'm gonna place? I'm gonna go a little bit off the spectrum. I'm not gonna talk about Krause's, Smiley's, you know, mm-hmm. any of those places. Great places. I do like them. They are up there on my list. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to my people at Agavero. Oh, I know you like that. I'm going there after this podcast to actually get some margs and some tacos for Taco Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But Agavero, man, do they make they make some good food. They have the best margaritas in town. It's good service. I, I like you know I like enchiladas. I like quesadillas. Yeah, and and they they do it. They do it for you. Great people. I mean, they really are. Now, uh, this is the place that's like by Home Depot, by yep. McDonald's. On by the- Home Depot, behind okay. McDonald's. Yep. Yeah. Tiny think, little uh, place. You you know, if, you, if you're not looking for it, you might miss it. They have a sign out front, but uh, they have, you know, a good amount of seating, and then they have a little bar area as well. So, shout out to Aguavero. Solid. Solid. Best, mar- best margaritas in Maslin. I know, uh, I know that's a place that you like to go to I, i've heard you talk about it. i think we went there once it's been a couple of years since since we went together but they've changed ownership so yeah. i don't know if we went when i it don't was know our, it yeah. depends on when that was this would have been you know a couple of years ago that we went there together but, okay uh i i that's the only time i've been there yeah i might have to uh i'm telling you people l camps people talk about l camps well when they not close well not close yeah l camps like kind of changed ownership like 
a decade ago and then they opened a place up in Belden and that was the new place to go to and then you know uh, things changed a little bit but yeah support uh, the one right here in Maslin oh it's good cheap I mean reasonably priced yeah so definitely it's uh, one of those that I don't know if anybody else was you know, throw it. You know everybody likes th- talking about Krauses and Smileys and yeah. But yeah, you, you got the you got a, a shout real, out to the Mexican. Restaurant. You got a real take there, and that's you know, I appreciate that. You know, Jim walks in and just repeats the same thing everybody else said. So yeah, you know, every <laughs> we get, you know West Side Krauses, East Side Krauses, which they have good chicken and they have great pizza, but we don't really talk about Mexican. Yeah, I mean this is this is open anywhere, just favorite local place. I know you you go there and you're going there in about ten minutes. Aren't about you? ten minutes. Yeah, we got to so, wrap this so thing there up. You go. I mean. I think we went through uh, pretty much everything. We, we talked about last week's game, some of the festivities that went on with last week's game. Uh, we talked about Iggy coming up. It, it's going to be a really big game. Big and, game. Uh, you hope know, the kids realize this. I hope so, too. So we did our FW Renner and Sons. You're pointing You're pointing at my you're pointing at my board for, for the ranking segment. That's something that we ha- just have not really gotten into, got into this year as much as I really wanted to. But uh, So you're pointing at it because... You have a ranking question that you want to volunteer to the group, so well, why don't you just take the lead? Because I I don't know what it is yet, so you're gonna catch me off. It's so kind of a question. Way. It's not not as really, but okay, not really a question. I'll, I guess I'll take anything at this point. Well, okay, so they're voting on playoff positioning. Okay, and now you were we were discussing off air. We don't know if there's a buy. Everybody thinks there's a buy, but we're not. I'm not. We're not sold that it's yeah, what, 100% what, what a percent. What I keep buy. hearing is that like the top four get buys, but I don't know if it's been officially said. You're right. So, and this is what I'll say. Okay, right now there are one, two, three, four, five undefeated teams in our region. Okay. Okay. Um, out of those five, I don't think four of those teams will not lose another Won't game. Won't lose. Okay. Maslin has to beat Ignatius and McKinley if we want mm-hmm. the first seed and a home game. Yeah. And, you know, everybody wants to talk about, well, we'll play anybody anywhere. Okay, great. But, uh, does you know, the coaches might not say this, the players might not say this, but, you know, driving two hours to go play Dublin, Sciota, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound fun, does it? Yeah, see, that, that was the one thing that we, we mentioned off air was that I – I kind of forgot that our region was a lot of teams down south towards Columbus. So, you know, chances are you're going to be traveling a lot if you have to travel for us. You know, we'd have to be going down towards Columbus. And that's just, yeah, obviously it's not as good. No one wants to go two hours away. No one wants to leave their home stadium. Nobody wants to go get taped up in a training room they're not used to. Um, At the end of the day, I don't think it makes a huge difference. I, I think you can play anywhere. There's definitely, you know, a familiarity aspect to playing at home. And I think it is important. You know, we get that home field advantage. Um, we're definitely going to have more fans that way. And hopefully by the time the playoffs comes, that makes a difference. And I don't, I don't know if it's made a big difference yet. But I think by the time that, you know, when the playoffs happen, our, our fans will make a difference. So I think it is important that we, we try to get that home field advantage. And obviously we're trying to win every game. And it's not even just the home field advantage. It's just... To me, it's the travel. You're not sitting on a bus for two hours. You're not mm-hmm. having to go to some unfamiliar locker room, you know, 
get dressed there, get taped up there. Yeah, and without any away games this year, that would be like a completely new aspect. Yeah, and, you know, I know the coaches are probably hearing this and they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't We're going matter. anywhere. But yeah, I don't care what they the, say. The it does thing, matter. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I'll mention is that at least when we played for away games, they made it they made it very good for us as players of how we treated away games. Uh, some of those further games, we, we got out a little early. You know, I, I think we got down to Steubenville by like three o'clock like yeah two o'clock two o'clock three o'clock we're in steubenville at two o'clock and that gives us time to kind of relax you get off the bus for a while so you're not walking fresh off of a bus and uh i think that's something that we take into consideration because you don't want kids walking straight off the bus into a locker room ready for a game you need some of that downtime you need some time to go over your pregame stuff so i think we do a good job at that of trying to cancel out the negatives of of traveling um but yeah obviously it's better to be home I, yeah. I think anybody that says it wouldn't be would would be lying i yeah yeah i get what you're saying but you know and and just as far as seating goes i mean i know we had a decent schedule i i would say our schedule is pretty solid pretty solid yeah. pretty solid definitely okay but the people in westerville don't care if we end up three and three they don't care when they're yeah when they're six and oh they don't care. Perry's not going to care when they're six and zero. Yeah, three, three and three is not going to get you a good seed. Yeah, and if all. if you lose to McKinley, which I hope to God we don't, you're below Perry automatic. You're automatically below Perry. Yeah. So I, you know, and I don't think our regions, you know, a bunch of gangbusters anymore. But still, give us the make us make the path the easiest in the playoffs. You know, avoid injuries, get healthy. You know. Mm-hmm. A seating seatings make a difference whether or not you want to admit it. Yeah, I think there's kind of like two different trains of thought. You have the one where it's like, yes, we want the highest seat possible. We want the easiest path. You know, we want that bye week. We can get healthy. We can prepare for things. We can rest up. Especially after a can, McKinley game exactly. in week six. We can, we can you know, prepare and relax for a little bit. And then there's also the idea of, you know, it just doesn't matter. Who cares? We're playing football. We'll play anywhere. We'll play anybody. If we want to get out of the region, we got to beat the, beat the best teams anyway. Yeah. So what difference does it make? Yeah, I know. That's what the coaches and the players are going to say. But And I think I think there's something to it that's true. It's just, But at the end of the day, we're trying to win every game, and we're trying to get the highest seed. And, and get healthy. And if you don't, you know, the narrative changes a little bit. You know, if you don't end up with a high seed, then, you know, you deal with the hand you're dealt. Um, well, I guess you kind of gave it to yourself, but you're dealing with that. Now it's the, you know what? Who cares? We got to play football. We got to beat the best teams. And that's completely true. But to say that we aren't hoping for a top seed, yeah, I, I, I think that that would be completely false. So, yeah, and now we're region seven, just throwing that out there, which means most likely we will be paired with the Cincinnati region uh, prior to being paired with. Uh, the Possibly. Cleveland or Toledo? No, I. That's how it went two years ago, and other. Yeah, they always un- every year they say that they don't know until it happens, but yeah. To I, me, I think that probably so. yeah. If we're coming out of the more Columbus region, it goes. There's a chance that we would play the Cincinnati eight, seven. Yeah. Hasn't always five, hasn't always six. happened that way though. That's why it's not predetermined who plays who in the final four, but yeah, it's. You're right. It, there's a the good, state can get LaSalle and Maslin to play. They're gonna. Now I'm talking way advanced, but who knows if we beat whoever? Yeah, 
It's a long way to that, go. That's a long way away. But, you know, it's something for us fans to talk about. It's yeah, nothing, we can do that. Nothing the team wants to deal with right now. But we can talk about it. We can talk about it. So, yeah, I, I think there's a there's a good chance that we want to go for, for higher seats. That's just... I'm not saying that no, somebody's saying they don't want the higher seat. I'm just saying you you cannot lose to Ignatius and you cannot lose to McKinley if you want the high seat, regardless correct. of yeah, regardless you, of what you think our schedule is better than a federal league schedule. I'm saying that doesn't matter. Yeah, if you go three and three, you're not going to get a good if you seat. Go four, it if matter. you go four and two, you might not. I I don't know if you get a top seat like a top. I don't know if you get a buy at four. If and you two. get no. no, you don't. Even though with our schedule, you can look at it and say, you can make hey, an argument. Hey, they could have beat Eds. They should have beat Eds. It was a tough game. Could have, would have, should have. Could have, should have, would have. We don't care. They went four and two. Yep. That that's really what it's going to come down to. So, uh, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. These games are important for those reasons. We're trying to get that top seed, and obviously, we just want to win. We want. I, I want to see win us. this week. We want to win next week. When we want to win the week after that, we're not really. We're not looking forward to you know where our seating is going to be, but you know it, it does make a difference. So, so back to Ignatius, just one last thing I want to say. You know, Kyle's getting up there in age, and you know it'd be nice if you know the last time he plays Maslin, we throw up a goose egg on him. You know, we blow him out. They don't score anything because you know what that would signify to me. You know, Kyle had a he had our number there for a while. He had a run, yeah. But Maslin goes back. It doesn't go from a stretch of ninety till two thousand eight. It goes from eighteen ninety till twenty twenty. So you know, Kyle might have had our number, but Maslin outlasted his legacy. And I want that to be the last thing he he remembers is he walked into Paul Brown Tiger Stadium and got blown out. You know, he he he. You know, he had a good he had a good little stretch there, but yeah, definitely. But it's done now. It's over with. Just end <laughs> blow them out. End it. So I think uh, you know that's what we should be going for. Let's go in there for a big win. Let's hope the fans all get into it, knowing that it's Ignatius, knowing that there's so much riding on this game in general. Uh, let's get loud and uh, cheer on the Tigers, and let's go ahead and beat Ignatius. Tear them up. Let's tear them up. So what kind of mischief we getting in today? Why don't you shut your mouth before we get more unwanted company? Like who? Girls. No girls allowed. No, no girls, girls allowed. allowed. No, no girls, girls allowed. allowed. No girls allowed. No, no girls allowed. allowed. No. no. I heard Jason from down the street. He let a girl in his fort, and he caught the cooties. It was a travesty. We don't even know any girls, so it's not like they're gonna get in here. Are you stupid? The second that we let our guards down, the cooters will flock. Well, how are they gonna get in? The door's locked. You idiot, you think a lock can prevent women from catching a sniff of our testosterone? Testosterone. And breaking down the barriers to invade our fort? Correct, that's what I think. I'm with them now. No girls allowed.